The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father in heaven, we thank you for your kindness towards us. Thank you for bringing us together under your name, unto yourself. Lord, in every life present in this place today, and in every life joining us over the internet, Father, we ask that you do that which eyes have not seen, do that which ears have not heard, do that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of men, and let the name of Jesus and Jesus alone be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's please be seated. Today we are in part three of our, of our series, Fight. And in part three, we are moving forward and pressing further in the series. We started by laying a foundation, a foundation as it were, for the series in part one. In part two, we, we looked at um, um, encouragement, having courage to fight, you know. And in this part um, three, we are dealing with distractions to fighting, you know. If you want to give it a title, you could give it fight, don't be distracted. <laughs> Distraction is, is a thing that prevents someone from giving his full attention to something else. I mean, the rain today could be a distraction to a whole lot of people from coming to church. There are people that wanted to come to church today, they just saw the rain and said, ah, they just changed the gear of the sleep to gear four, you know? And that, obviously, is a distraction. You must have overcome a lot of rivers to get into church today. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and, and God will reward you, obviously, for that in Jesus' name. Say amen like you mean it. We, we live in a heavily distracted world. In a heavily distracted world. In fact, the human capacity for distraction is so predictable. The human capacity for distraction is so predictable. You know, when, when you go to the dentist, for instance, in several fields, it's being deployed. I mean, to, the, to good purposes, if you will. Going to the dentist... You know, the dentist poking your teeth, knocking it, drilling it. You know, we always tell you a story. Have you noticed? The dentist always engages you, always try to find out, take your mind away from the pain. The, it comes with a trade. They try to distract you from the pain. As serious as pain is, being distracted from pain helps. Growing up, you know, when... Daddy and mommy want to have a serious discussion. They send us out to the neighbor's house to go and collect something they call a rodon. Yeah, did that happen to you guys? A rodon means distract until further notice. You know, that's what it means in English. So, <laughs> so when daddy and mommy are done with a serious conversation, then they allow us to come back, you know, um, into the house. When you look at 
the object of distractions sometimes, the object of distractions are so little compared to the damage they can cause. Take a mobile phone, for instance. If you put a mobile phone on the road, can a mobile phone stop a car? No, the car will just ride over the phone and nothing will happen. But the phone in the hand of a distracted driver is extremely dangerous. The phone can wreck the whole car and the people in the car because of the distraction it can cause. The human brain is incapable of multitasking, like many of us think. We think well, we can multitask and do several things at the same time. No, you cannot. You can try. You, you will do many things, but you are doing them simultaneously, but not at the same time. Why? Because scientists tell us that the human brain doesn't truly multitask. The brain has one channel for each type of information, auditory, visual, physical, manual, etc., and so, when you are driving, for instance, and you have somebody talking to you on the passenger seat, because the auditory channel is different from the visual channel, there's no much distraction going on. You can still see the road. But scientists tell us that when the subject of discussion becomes very vivid and very graphic, that the driver, the, the visual channel of the driver is taking over by the imagery painted by the words, and even though he's looking at the roads, he's not seeing anything anymore, and an accident can happen. So, we are susceptible to distraction in an unbelievable way. And when Jesus was on earth, he understood it. He understood the fact that he was also susceptible to distraction. He said to Peter, get it behind me, Satan. You're a distraction to me. Peter was his best pal, if you will. But Jesus will not tolerate distraction. And he dealt with the spirit. And he says, you are an adversary. That's the same word. Satan, get it behind me. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51. The word of God says, as the time drew near... For him to ascend into heaven, that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He was focused. No distraction. Jesus, maybe there were people by the road sick. Jesus did not stop to heal them. Maybe there were people begging him to come and dine with them. Jesus did not branch in anybody's house. Jesus was focused in the amplified version puts it this way. It says, the Amplified version says, he gathered up his courage. Last week, you need to gather your courage. Then after you've gathered your courage, you need to steal yourself. Set your face as a flint for his journey. You need the two. You need both courage and lack of distraction. You don't need distraction. You need to get rid of distraction. So today, we're going to be looking at the six, seven types of distractions that we should be careful of. Of course, the list is not exhaustive. And because we need to maintain our focus, and this seven, again, we need to pay attention to them. Why? Because nobody can fulfill 
his destiny without focus. If you are going to fulfill your destiny, you have to get rid of distraction. Distractions are so serious that you cannot afford to toy. You can't. You have to be brutal against distraction. Everybody say brutal. You have to be brutal. Now, um, there's a story which um, you, you, you all, some of you may know already. <laughs> Before we look at the seven things, to show you how serious distraction can be, there was this young king that challenged a big king to battle. And the big king said to the young king, young man, don't fight me, you know, you know let's be friends. And the young king insisted that he must go to war. So they went to war. And of course, the big king, um, the older king won and took the young king captive. And said to the young king, I'm going to set you free on one condition. And the condition was they filled, um, I think, a cup or a spoon with water to the brim. And he said to this young king, you need to walk from one end of the town to the other end of the town without dropping, letting a drop fall to the ground. If a drop of water falls to the ground, I am going to cut off your head. So the old king lined up people on one side that were naysayers. They were abusing the young king, useless young king, arrogant little boy, and all calling him names. And he arranged another set of praise singers on the other side, hailing the young king, the future of tomorrow, next gen, you know, and all that and all that. Generation Y, Generation Z, you know, and all that. Hailing the young king. So the young king carried the water filled to the brim and was going, and was going, and was going. A single drop. The king had him monitored. Matchet drawn out. Drop head off. And he went from the end of the town to the other end of the town without a single drop falling. And the king said to him, which of the two helped you? The one singing your praises or the ones criticizing you? The young king says, I didn't even see any of them. <laughs> you mean there were people criticizing me? I didn't even hear. You mean people were praising me? I did. I was oblivious. It was oblivious. I was oblivious to it. I mean, I, I didn't even know. And obviously, the young king, big king was teaching me a lesson in life. Some people will just hail you until you, they push you into trouble that they cannot follow you to, to fight. Don't listen to them. Some people will criticize you from now to tomorrow. Don't listen to them. You have your destiny in your hands. Not a single drop must fall to the ground. Do I get an amen? So distraction is so important that we eradicate totally because of what is at stake. And the first type of distraction that you need to Eradicate is the armless distractions, quote-unquote, armless. Armless. In Luke 9.62, Luke 9.62, you know, this, before this, a young man had said to Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, okay, um, that's fine. 
you can follow me. And the, the, the young man said to Jesus, okay, you know what? Let me just go kiss my, my parents goodbye, you know, and let me follow you. And Jesus makes this statement, you know. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand on the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I mean, naturally thinking, I would think that was a harsh thing for Jesus to say. I mean, this guy volunteered to follow you from his own volition. How can you say anyone that lays his hand on the plow and looks back is unfit? But that's the power of distraction. When you put your hands on the plow, your hands are still on the plow. But when you look back, whatever you are plowing will not be straight again. When you are plowing, you look where you are going. When you take your eyes off the plow, zigzags. In 2 Timothy 2.4, Paul was, was speaking to Timothy and it was, it was charging him. He was saying, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled with civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. No one serving as a soldier entangles himself with civilian affairs. So there are things that are that appear to be harmless. You have no business with them. There are things that appear to be okay. But you are a soldier. Now, okay, question. How many people consider themselves a soldier for Jesus Christ? Let me see your hands up. I consider myself a soldier. Okay, cool. Put on your hands. Some people are not quite sure. You know, don't worry. I pray you, 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 you join the force today. In Jesus' name. Well, for you to be in service today, by the way, you must be a soldier. Everybody that makes the service today has greatness in them. But that's the truth. That's the truth. You know why? Because there's so many reasons why. I mean, if you did come to church today, it's very understandable. Isn't it understandable? To even get out of the estate was war today. Yeah, to the natural mind. But for a soldier, it's not, it's not understandable. <laughs> you know? Soldiers are trained for tough terrains. Yeah, to survive in any condition. So, civilian affairs are distractions to the soldier. The challenge with us is sometimes we are asking, is this thing wrong? Is it a sin? That's not the issue. The issue is, is it for soldiers? The issue is not whether it's wrong or right. The issue is, is it, is it fitting for my destiny? Is this aligned with my consecration? That's the issue. So the harmless distractions, we need to get rid of them. Number two, we need to, to get rid of deep-seated sorrow. Deep-seated sorrow can serve as a big distraction. Why? Because when, when we allow ourselves to soak in this emotion, it distracts us from the fight. It distracts us from what God wants for us. When You see, everybody that we live on earth, we go through stuff. 
when you allow what you are going through drown you, then you open yourself up for a major internal distraction. Major internal distraction. You may, you may be going through things and you're like, God, why? Or maybe you're of the school of the thought that don't question God. I'm of, I'm of that school of thought. <laughs> but it's sin shakes you so deeply and you say to God, God, you know all things. I can't question you, but why? You know, you know when you get to that place where you're like, where you're like, when you're from that school of thought where that you don't question God, again, I'm from that school of thought. But you go through stuff, and like, God, it's not that I'm questioning you, but, but why? <laughs> But why? The word of God says in Proverbs 13, 12, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. When hope is delayed, the word of God acknowledges that it challenges the heart. But you need to believe God because of God's love for you. God loves you Amazingly, it is a security in the love of God that makes us survive those kind of seasons. It's not self-will that makes you survive. It's security in God's love. Romans 5.5 Romans 5.5 says to us that and this hope will not lead to disappointment. This hope that you have will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. You see, when you get to that point, even your love for God will shake. What keeps you is God's love for you. That's what keeps you. So, you need to be established in God's love for you. God loves you totally and completely. Praise the name of the Lord. The third type of distraction is what we've called the blowout distraction. Blowout distraction. I mean, it's in your face, you know, like the rain today. Big distraction for some people. In Joshua 8, 1 to 29, there's a story there. I want you to read this story, please, when you get home. In preparation for Tribe on Wednesday, we are going to be fighting, you know, using this story. We are going to be fortifying our bases. Praise the name of the Lord. And there are two levels of distractions there in that story. And we see the second level was the most devastating. This man came out to war. But their cities were set ablaze. So by the time they looked back and their houses were on fire, how can a man fight when his house is on fire? The reason a lot of men cannot even fulfill their destiny is because their, their house is on fire, literally on fire. Maybe not physical fire, but you, you know what I mean. How can a man fight? How can a man take hold of his destiny? How can someone 
a woman take hold of his destiny. When you look back and the house is on fire, you think about your children, you think about your wife, you think about all that you've worked for, strength leaves you. I mean, we've heard stories that of people that, you know, have been able to fight even when their houses were on fire. You know, if you were in tribe one day, a man said how um, his, his former pastor got up and, and his wife had died. He woke up and his wife had died. And he got up and said he was in pain. He was bleeding. But he had to choose. Will I go out and preach? And, or will I stay home and cry? And he went out. The guy says he preached his heart out. Maybe people gave their life to Jesus. He danced in terms of offering. Then he went back home. How can a man... In fact, I, I salute that guy. Full salute. How? So on, on, on Wednesday, we are going to be fortifying our bases. We are going to be building fortresses. We are going to be building strongholds. Praise the name of the Lord. The fourth type of fear is, oh sorry, distraction. <laughs> is the fear-based distraction. Fear-based distraction. It's also an internal distraction like sorrow that immobilizes or attempts to immobilize us. Takes our focus of what we should be pushing at and makes attempts to make us redundant. You want to make a crucial shot. You want to write an exam. You have an interview. You need to face a panel. You need to go to, to work. And you're afraid. God has not given you the spirit of bondage again to fear. Second Timothy 1.7. And we've been engaging that scripture from the beginning. That's one scripture we must internalize. For God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity. God has given us a spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. So when you feel fear and you, and you feel timid, it is not the spirit of God. And you must say, I don't have the spirit of fear. Get out. You don't belong here. That's what you should say. You should fight it off. You should fight it off. When we examine what we actually really are afraid of, you know, I mean, thinking about this, the problem with a lot of people is that we are afraid of the inevitable. What I've come to, the conclusion I've come to, and I came to this conclusion a long time ago, <laughs> that there's no need to fear the inevitable. There's no need to fear the inevitable. For, for students, writing an exam is an inevitable. It's inevitable. There is no reason for you to be afraid of the inevitable. By the grace of God, I can't remember a single exam I, I, I went into that I was afraid. Not one. Not one exam that I can remember that I was going to the exam or oh, I was afraid. Why should you be afraid? Everybody's going to write the exam. If you're afraid, you write it. 
If you are not afraid, you will write it. If you are short, you will write it. If you are tall, you will write it. That's just how it is. It's inevitable. So, there's no need to be afraid of the inevitable. Death is an, inevi- it's an inevitability. There's no reason on earth why anybody should be afraid of death. No reason. Because it's going to come. If Jesus tarries, everybody will go. One way or the other. There's no need to be afraid of death. You know, but the challenge is, if you look at it on, under the surface, I mean, again, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this thing. I mean, you know, what I've discovered is this. We are not actually afraid of, it's not the exam you're afraid of. We are afraid of failure. There are two different things. It's not, the, it's not death we are afraid of. We, we don't know what is ha- going to happen after death. So, a lot of people are afraid of hell. So it's not, it's not that they're afraid of, of, of dying. That's why Paul says, for me to die is gain. Why? Because he knows where he's going. So he's not afraid of dying. If you know where you're going, you, should, you can never be afraid of dying. You can't. If you, if, you, if you know, you know, and this, it's, this exam thing is such a big deal. I mean, some time ago when we, we, we started the journey and everybody had to do the journey, every pastor, every minister, everybody went through the journey. And at the end of the first trip of the journey, you, you, you had to write an exam, you know, and, you know, and a lady came to me, one of our pastors, and she was shaking. I kid you not. She was in my office. She was like, Pastor, I can't write that exam. I'm like, ah, ah Why? She says, I'm afraid. I said, why are you afraid? I, I, I'm always afraid of exams. I started stuttering. Every time I hear exams, I start to break it down further. Listen, there's, the exa- there's nothing in the exam. It is an inevitability. The issue is you're afraid of failing. So face it. Praise the name of Allah. If you want to get married, you should not be, are you a man? You should not be afraid of talking to a lady. Do I get an amen? Only men, amen. <laughs> I mean, why? It's an inevitability. Man up and just do it. What if, you say, what if she says no? So what? Try again. What she says, don't again, then find somebody else. <laughs> but don't stop. And, you know, I, I told the story of some guy really close to me. I mean, you could call him my son, you know. He lives outside of the country. And, and he called me one day. I was like, oh, you know this girl I've been talking to you about, telling you about? I said, yes. He says, oh, she's going to marry somebody. And he was really broken. And I'm like, ah. How did that happen? Every time, a lot of time I call him, you are with this lady, you know, you always visit her in her house, blah, 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 blah. So, did you, didn't you ask her out? He said, no, he never did. I said, so, all the time you have been going there, what have you been doing? I kid you not. He says, we've been playing Ludo. He says, you have been playing Ludo. Then somebody else came. (laughs) 
There is no need to cry. Get up, get up, get up. <laughs> Go and fight. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. You should not be afraid of the avoidable, of the inevitable. It is the avoidable that kind of allows fear to come in. You know, talking about that, you know, I've said to you before, not only, I've shared how I filled an exam before, right? And I went back to do it. So I'm not, I'm not saying it because I've never filled an exam. Well, maybe because you have never filled it. That's not the issue. Again, I've shared with you before. I mean, when, when, I, when I wanted to marry my wife and I asked her to marry me, you know, I told you she told me no. She gave me a very long javelin. You know? And I just stepped back, re-strategized, and gave her a proposal that she cannot refuse. <laughs> That's all. And today, I mean, it's, it's 15 years in December. You know? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So it, it, it's nothing. It's life. So what you really are afraid of is not the exam. That is the inevitable. You are afraid of the failure and the failure is the avoidable. When you are able to separate the two, you overcome fear. When we separate the avoidable from the inevitable, fear is demystified. It's demystified. It's demystified. Separate death from what happens after death. It's demystified. Your job, same thing, demystified. Demystified. Because fear drives when we don't separate the avoidable from the inevitable. Okay, so pastor, once I've separated the inevitable from the evitable, and, and I have the inevitable, and I have the evitable, I have the avoidable. So, I mean, and I'm concerned about the avoidable. How do I go from there? It's actually very simple. When you have the avoidable, which is failure, you don't want to fail. So, there's only just one word that determines how you overcome that, and that word is hunger. Everybody say hunger. How hungry are you for A in that course? That's the question. If you are really hungry for A, you will give it what it takes to get A. So, you will step into that exam or without any fear. You will give it what it takes to get A. I was really bent on marrying my wife. I gave it what it takes. Uh, You give it what it takes. You give it what it takes. The challenge is that we are not hungry enough. We are not hungry enough. We just mount it. Someone says the proof of desire is pursuit. We are not hungry enough. You know, I'm going to ask them to show us a video. It's a video of a lady um, from the Bahamas. And this lady has been in in the shadow of Felix way before 2012 London Olympics. Even at the 2012 London Olympics, she lost to Felix. She was younger. I mean, now 2016 Rio, she's 22. The next Olympics, she'll be plus four, 26. I mean, this is almost her last chance of youth, and something happened. 
Felix overtook her. The final of the women's 400 meters, a contest between youth and experience. Shawnee Miller of the Bahamas at 22, an emerging star, against Alison Felix of the USA. Felix was hoping to crown an illustrious career by becoming the first female to win five track goals. The pair would be involved in an extraordinary finish. Miller, in lane seven, started strongly and led for most of the race. Felix, in lane four, was struggling to stay in touch. But then Felix gained ground as the race reached a thrilling climax. Miller dived for the line in a desperate bid for gold. Both athletes had given everything. Miller had made it just. She'd been injured in the heats at London 2012. This time, she had a different story to tell. Bronze went to Sherika Jackson of Jamaica, a gallant Alison Felix of the USA taking the silver, and Shawnee Miller of the Bahamas the gold after one of the most exciting ends to an Olympic final. Okay. Now, praise God. She was in front of her again, going to take the gold again. So what is it going to be? She just, just jumped. <laughs> it's not illegal. She was hungry for it. I mean, imagine, like I said, imagine, I mean, I'm running 100 meters finals, and you say, Bolt is in front of me. What do I do? I'll be content. <laughs> You say, but let him be going. I'll be jogging behind him. But this lady, no way. No way. I wish we can be that hungry for the things that matters. If we are that hungry for the things that matters most in our lives, we'll be unstoppable. Unstoppable. So the first type of distraction is what? Number one is what? The second type is what? The third type. The fourth type. The fifth type. False promotion. Judges 9, 8 to 15. It says, once upon a time, the trees decided to choose a king. First, they said to the olive tree, be our king. But the olive trees refused, saying, should I quit producing the olive oil that blesses both God and people just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the fig tree, you are our king. You be our king. But the fig tree also refused, saying, should I quit producing my sweet fruit just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the grapevine, be our king. But the grapevine also refused, saying, should I quit producing the wine that cheers both God and people just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then all the trees finally turned to the thorn bush and said, come be our king. And the thorn bush replied, 
to the trees. If you truly want to make me your king, come and take shelter in my shade. If not, let fire come out from me and devour the cedars of Lebanon. That's a classic example of an empty barrel that makes the most noise. The thorn bush, if you know, it grows on the ground and you know, forms a bush. It really doesn't have any space for shadow. It doesn't even have any capacity to produce the shadow that others will take in. So the king, I mean, the trees, they, they, they said to the, to the olive tree, come and be our king. Now, that can appear to be a promotion. The king of the trees. But the olive refused. And what was the reason for re, the, the refusal? It was, I am productive. I am blessing God. I am ministering to people. Count me out. They went to the figs. The figs said the same thing. I'm producing delicious fruits that both God and men are enjoying. Your destiny is more important than title. Praise the name of the Lord. Your destiny is what you produce or the, the fruit of your life that blesses God and, and adds value to people. It has nothing to do with title. And they went to the grapevine and they said to the grapevine the same thing. And the grapevine says, should I leave the, the wine I'm producing? I'm sorry, I can't do that. And obviously they said they went to the, the ones that is producing has no value. And he says, oh, yeah. At least I'll be useful for something. The point is this. It's not every promotion that is from God. Some promotions are just distractions. Some, some things, oh, come and do this, come and do that. It's just a distraction. I pray that you'll be wise enough to see it. Distraction number six. We call this irritation distraction. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 4, 1 to 3. Sambalat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samarian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they are doing? Do they think they can build a wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall will collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. You know, there are people that will just ridicule you. There are people that will jeer at you. There are people that will belittle your efforts. There are distractions. They're distractions. I'm going to show you how to deal with them. 
Don't allow. Don't allow them to get under your skin. There are people, even their look alone. It's a distraction. Don't allow them to get under your, under your skin. No, 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 no. Irritation, distraction. Irritation, distraction. Can she do it? Who does she think she is? Who does he think he is? Can he do it? And on and on and on and on and on and on. But let's see how Nehemiah responded in verse 4. Of course, that is, I think verse 12 is what we've been praying. He says, Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. May they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Uh, so they will know how it is. <laughs> report them to God. Just report them to God. Just report them to God. That's how you deal with it. Report them to God. Remember, I mean, you have to just take it to God. Just take it to God and leave it there. Don't let it get under your skin. Just take it to God and leave it there. Remember Anna and Penina. Penina pestered Anna, pestered Anna. And Anna continued to be sorrowful until she, she went to God. Until she, she took it to God. But the challenge with us is that many times we take it to God, but we step out from, from God's presence and we still carry it. No, don't carry it. Leave it there. It's God's business now. When Anna took it to God, God, take it to God. That's what you do. Do? Okay. Number seven. <clears throat> Attraction, distraction. That's the seventh type. Attraction, distraction. Everyone say attraction, distraction. <laughs> Never underestimate the power of something or someone you find interesting and stimulating. Never. Never underestimate the power of something you find interesting and stimulating. For some people, it's a TV game. It's a, it's a, it's a computer game. For some of us, it's, it's just being on Facebook. You know, people can be on Facebook for, for five hours and they are done being on Facebook and it's time to pray in Jesus' name. They wake up in the morning and they say, Amen. You see, those things deplete your, your, your strength to pursue a desired future. I'm not saying that, I mean, I have a Facebook account. I go on Facebook. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't, you should throw away Facebook or throw away your TV. You know, but the problem is that some of us, we can watch TV for five, six, seven hours and we have no more juice. Even for things that are to take care of your children, you can't even do it. To attend to your husband or to your wife, you, it's, you, are, you are lethargic. 
talk less of fighting spiritual warfare. Attraction, distraction is a big, 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 big thing to watch out for. If you play sports, of course, you, you know what I'm saying. I mean, you, you, you can play soccer from morning till night. There's nothing wrong with playing soccer. I love playing soccer, you know, but it can be a distraction. You can play computer games from morning till night. I mean, I play computer games. A lot of you know that. But you see, me, I know how to cut things to size. In fact, one of the graces God has given me, as much as I love doing things, I know what to, when to shut it down. I don't struggle. I don't struggle. I used to struggle, but I don't struggle <laughs> anymore. You just shut it down and face your life, face your destiny, face your career, face your business. You need to shut it down. You know? Um, yesterday morning, I, I, I was sharing, I was playing golf with, with some, someone, and, you know, golf can be, you know, I, again, I've said this several times, I, I've played a lot of sports. Golf is the most challenging sport I've played ever. Ever. If you don't Believe me, go, go and play golf. <laughs> it's very challenging. In fact, that's what keeps... That's why you see A-rated people always come back to golf. That's why they always come back to golf. Because they are A-rated people. They, 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 they believe they will conquer the game, but it's a lie. <laughs> it's, it's a big... It's a fraud. <laughs> it's unconquerable. I've studied it. It's unconquerable. It's to be enjoyed. Not to be conquered. <laughs> you have good days. You will have bad days. That's how it is. It's just like life. So, yesterday we were playing. And it was a bad day at golf yesterday. <laughs> you know? And when it's bad, it's really bad. I mean, sometimes it's really bad. You've been into the bush. You're looking for your, <laughs> for your paw. Your trouser is filled with thorns. You know? I mean, you have been beaten. So the man was saying to me that this thing that's off ahead. <laughs> I said, absolutely. <laughs> he said, I mean, that his wife this morning, that when he got out of home, he was running out of his house. And that's what he does every morning when he goes to play golf. And his wife was begging him, just spend some time with us. And he says that his wife must not know he's having this kind of trouble and he's suffering every time. You know, I said it's true. He says he said to me, I won't tell, I won't tell, I won't tell them. My man, I'm going to tell. <laughs> I'm going to tell. <laughs> of course, me, I tell my wife every time that it was a bad day today. Those things, when you don't cop them, can actually destroy you, can destroy your relationships, can destroy everything. Attraction, distraction. Obviously, I mean, opposite sex attraction is a no-brainer. If you find that you are attracted to someone that is not your wife, not your husband, that you find interesting and stimulating, be careful. Be careful. In fact, 
My grandmother used to say, talk to your legs. There's no shame in it. Run. It's not weakness. Say, but if you are strong, why don't you stay and resist it? No, the Bible did not say if you are strong. The Bible says, flee, run. Run means what? What does run mean? Talk to your legs. Attraction, distraction. Many accidents have happened on the road because some people have roving eyes. Many destinies have been wrecked because of attraction, distraction. Let's have the video of Malcolm. Hey, you know where a men's room is? I do. You're going to want to go to Lord and Taylor. They got 12 stalls and heated seats. Okay, keep the balls in the pit, kids. Kids. Okay, my lip is numb. Alrighty. There you go. That's not supposed to be here. It's mini man. <laughs> Run. Do what? Run. Isaiah 57 says to us as we draw the curtain on this. It says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. I want us to read this together. One, two, go. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I set my face like a stone, determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. Amen. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. The sovereign Lord will help you. You will not be put to shame. Say to the Lord, I set my focus. I will fulfill my destiny. I will fulfill my destiny. Some of us, like I said, the fear of death is real. You don't know what is going to happen on the other side. If you slept today and don't wake up tomorrow, you don't know what's going to happen on the other side. You can put that to bed now. You can settle it in God's presence today. 
They're like, Pastor, I can? Yes, you can. If you surrender your life to Jesus, he said, he promised, you'll be taking care of your eternity. If you're here, you're saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to release my life to Jesus. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, like, I used to be born again, but I, I'm, I'm backsliding right now. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are seated, you don't need to come forward. That is me. Pray with me. Put up your hands now over your head. Quickly, God bless you. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Right there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Right there. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Another hand over there. Another one there. God bless you. That is me. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Right there. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Right there. Right there. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. That is me. That is me. Keep the hands up. Once you have the card, you can put on your hand. I'm, I'm going to pray with you in a bit. The rest of us, maybe you need to pay attention to harmless distractions. Why don't you talk to God about it right now? The seemingly harmless one. Or maybe it's the deep sorrow, deep-seated sorrow that you're battling with. Or maybe it's the blowout distraction. For some, it's a fear-based distraction. While for others, it's false promotion. False promotion. They're enticing you. Yet for others, it may be irritation, distraction. Yet for some others, it's attraction, distraction. Why don't you talk to God about it? If you have the card, ask God to cleanse you, to fill your life with his life and to accept you into his family. Father, we pray for everyone that has come to you today. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you cleanse them, fill them with your life. Father, change these lives. Write their names in the book of life. Settle the matter of eternity and let your name be glorified. We pray for every one of us, Lord. The grace to triumph over harmless distractions, deep-seated sorrow, the, the grace to triumph over blowout distractions, fear-based distractions, the grace to triumph over false promotion distraction, irritation distraction, attraction distraction, given to us. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. For his word, for his goodness, for his kindness, for his mercy.